0: Hello, hello, you're very welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from onshaw.net, a regular podcast where I delve into the world of Irish primary education and tell you what I would do if I were the Minister for Education. This is Simon Lewis. And you are either watching this on YouTube or you might be listening to it on your favourite podcasting platform. So I hope if you can't see my screen, I hope you'll be able to visualise what I'm showing you on the screen. Uh, If you enjoy the podcast, there's plenty of ways to find me. I write about uh, the Irish primary education system quite a lot. This week, I am interested in the set allocation because by the time you are listening to this, the set allocations might have been published by the Department of Education for 2023. I have spent the last uh, number of days um, or even weeks looking at the uh, set allocations. And by the way, for those of you who don't know, what the set allocations are. They are the special education teaching hours. They used to be known as learning support hours, resource hours. Even if you're very old, they used to be known as remedial teaching, but that's going back a very long way and totally not okay to say anymore. Uh, what, I have, what I'm planning on doing in this episode is uh, going through some of my little, this sounds very boring, my data analysis. But basically what I'm doing is I basically looked uh, since 2017 at the resources the Department of Education have uh, put in to special education. And the suspicion has long been that uh, despite the fact the Department of Education are saying that they have increased resources, that most schools aren't feeling that. So that's what I'm going to do today. As I said, I write a lot about the Irish primary education system. If you are interested in reading some of my articles, uh, you can go to my uh, Medium blog, or you can, which is simonlemlewis.medium.com. Uh, some of the articles you'll see there. And if uh, I also pick out uh, some of the news stories, uh, which I find interesting on my feedly, which uh, you can find in Irish education news. Interesting Irish education stories. So they're not just Irish education stories. Uh, they are also stories. Uh, from all around the world which t- give me an interest Um, as you can see some of those there if you can't don't worry most of all come along to unshot.net the website and click on my newsletter and you will be able to subscribe to a fortnightly newsletter which I send out uh, every two weeks as you would expect telling you all the news I found Uh this podcast will be will be shown in the uh, this week's newsletter along with the show notes and some extra resources as well as the spreadsheet that I use to analyze the data so you can find out information too. I have every single primary school in the country and how what their SET allocations were, how they increased or decreased and uh, what sort of allocation did they get per pupil. So if you're that way inclined, you can compare your school to maybe another school uh, who you think might be doing a bit better than you are and why that might be. So Without further ado, let's get into this uh, episode, which is a set allocation special where I have delved deep into the Department of Education statistics page. Uh, I have delved deep into the NCSE, the National Council for Special Education uh, allocations page as well for schools. And I have taken all those spreadsheets and I have put them all together through an AI machine and it has come out with some really interesting statistics. The big question, and I think that most people were wondering, was whether the Department of Education have been slyly cutting uh, the allocations over the last seven years and whether they're going to plan on doing that again. And, uh, and the other big question that I asked people, would they be interested in, and it's been the big question for a lot of primary schools, uh, is whether developing schools are, have been harder hit than non-developing schools in terms of resources. Anyone who's in a developing school will have told you that that they think that is the case. And one of the reasons for that, and I I have a personal experience of this, is when your school is growing. So back in 2017, when this was all invented, uh, schools were given an allocation based on five different criteria. Now, I, I won't go through the five criteria, it's not that interesting. But generally, it was fairly scientific and most schools were given an allocation. Whether we agree, whether schools agreed with that allocation or not, it was based on some algorithm and very closely to that algorithm. However, after that, in 2019, things got a little bit hairy. Where, where schools were losing numbers, their allocation didn't seem to change very much. And when schools were gaining numbers, they weren't really given the resources that they might have expected. In fact, if you increased by one class, so a normal developing school, you would receive an extra three, three hours of allocation per week, which sounds like it might be a, a quite good. It, it isn't really, three hours per week for an extra class. If you think about your own class and you, you would, I would suggest maybe at least between 10, I'd say about 10 to 25% of the children in your class will have had a diagnosed additional need more than likely. So back in the olden days, when I started teaching, you used to be able to get a certain number of hours uh, of resource teaching, depending on the diagnosis. So if it was autism, it was five hours a week. So you can see already, if you have one autistic child in your class and you're being given just three hours for a full class, you can see how very quickly if you have three autistic children in your class, which is quite regular these days, um, you're looking at missing 15 extra hours uh, a week, go down to three hours a week. So you can see why developing schools might have thought that this uh, new uh, way of allocating the, reserves the hours wasn't going to uh, really do them much good. So rather than me ranting and raving and saying what I think is going to happen, let's actually look at the statistics. And what I'm going to do, if you are watching this on YouTube, is I'm going to go through a thread and um, that I created on Twitter to guide me in this. And um, if you're listening, don't worry. I, as I said, I hope you'll be able to follow along. And this thread is a thread I wrote about my allocations. I'm going to flip between that and the actual spreadsheet. The spreadsheet is there, it's a lot of numbers all over the place. And I, I hope you'll, yeah, you'll be able to follow along if you're watching. But I'm, for the benefit of listeners, as I said, <laughs> keep repeating myself. As I said, uh, don't worry, I will be explaining things as I go along. Essentially, my question is, are children being screwed over by the set allocations, which, by the way, are allocated by the NCSE, I presume with the Department of Education? I I think the NCSE are tasked with allocating the hours. And I suppose I should remind you, uh, for those of you who, who don't know this, the NCSE do not have any data on children's needs. They have no idea what children have what needs, and they rely very much on external data, which again, I don't know how they're getting it, where they're getting it from, because they're not allowed to have data unless they get parents' consent. And I can't see them getting that even every two years when they don't keep it. So I'm not really sure where they're getting their data. But that aside, they have their algorithm. And I guess what most people are agreeing is that despite the Department of Education claiming that they're allocating more SCT hours um, given to schools and to children, it just feels like we're getting less. And I think the reason for that, personally, is I think there's more children coming into schools with additional needs than there used to be. And I don't, I'm not saying that as a disparaging uh, sort of comment, it, it is just the way things are. Children are coming to school with more educational needs. They're coming to school with more therapeutic needs, physical needs, care needs, and plenty of children are coming in with diagnosed and undiagnosed conditions as well. And classrooms are very much very different in terms of the needs that are there now than they were maybe 20 years ago when I started teaching. If I had one child in my class with additional needs, I would generally have an SNA SNA automatically. It would be interesting. I imagine if I'm thinking of my, the very first class I ever taught and thinking of who was in that, there is no, I had a special needs assistant in that class. There is absolutely no way I would have had a special needs assistant if I was teaching that class today. Anyhow, the, let, I, I decided rather than feeling it, because that's where the feeling is, I wonder did, was there any kind of data to back that up? I I looked uh, before I did. I looked at a really good survey, which is from the National Principals Forum. They did a survey on special education needs, and it was called the Inclusion Illusion, which is just loading up behind me here. And the Inclusion Illusion was a really good study. I think it was in 2019 or 2020, and it was a survey of Irish primary school principals and special education provision in schools. And um, really, it asked principals lots of questions, and over nearly a thousand principals uh, replied. Uh, to uh, the survey, 905 uh, principals in total. And it went through a number of things. And I'm just scrolling towards what, what they talked about in special education. They believed, most of them believed, uh, there was a lack of time and resources when it came to, ad- to working with children with additional needs. Lots of other things, last, lack of SNA uh, allocation, lack of support from the Department of Education. But it talked about how often teachers covered uh, special education, teachers had to cover mainstream classes, which was most teachers that hasn't changed. Uh, at all they went on and talked about the set allocations which is what I want to focus on and essentially they believed this was the belief that they were asked to rate how much resources they would have got in an older model so there was an older model back in the day where you were given resource hours depending on the diagnoses that the children had and you had the baseline hours as well and they believed if you would have more hours would you have more hours under the new model or less hours under the new model and forty three and a half percent said they'd have more hours in the older model was in place uh but if you cut the fifteen percent so there was a fifteen percent cut to resource hours in two thousand and twelve, if that was in place uh, it, that went up to eighty eight percent so eighty eight percent so nearly nine out of ten principals believed that they' getting they're getting less hours than they used to from the previous model and. Um, It's hard to know uh, whether that's true. That's all that's self-reporting stuff, and so all we can do really is go on the facts as they are, and so let's find out if they're right. I went on to I went off and converted lots of documents uh, from PDFs to Excel, from Excel's into other things, and essentially, after putting all these uh, documents together, this the set allocations together, I came up with um, the answer essentially, which was did we get more hours overall. And the answer, to be honest, was it depends. It depends on how you look at it, really. Overall, taking everything into account, taking absolutely everything into account with set allocations, the government has increased set allocations since 2017. There is no doubt about that. In fact, they have gone up by a massive What do you think? 0.2%. Barely marginal. So, technically, the Department of Education aren't lying when they say there's more supports, even if it is less, not even less than, less than 1%, less than a tenth of a percent per year. Rubbish, really. However, The story doesn't stop there. They could have given no increase whatsoever at all. It's just barely an increase and I don't think they could boast about it. But let's break it down a bit because I think when you look at it, let's say in smaller groups, let's look at counties, for example. Some counties in Ireland have had a really large increase in population. And that's interesting because there's some counties that have had a massive decrease in population. And I wanted to maybe show you a little bit of the database on that by county. So I have everyone by county here. In this case, I have everything, everyone sorted by where they landed in terms of goodness. I'm going to sort that by alphabetical order just so people can see it. And essentially, what I found was there was a lot of counties that went up overall from 2017 to 2021. I have them color coded here. If they're in red, they went down. If they're in green, they went up a bit but you can see this if you're listening, but it's very varied. Uh, There's some counties, and I'm going to pick on two here really, which are Offaly and Roscommon because they're right beside each other alphabetically and they both tell very different stories. Two stories of extremes, in fact. Offaly's population of children in schools went down by 4.69%. That's quite a lot of children, by the way. And their average allocation Went up by seven point one percent. So, despite the fact that they, that the population went down significantly, their allocation went up significantly. And then in Ross Common, their population of children went up by 4.6%, four point six percent, four four point six 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 percent, but their allocations went down by four and a half percent. This is per pupil, average per pupil. So, in effect, if you take population increase and decrease what you find is Offaly has had an 11% increase in their, in their in their allocations per pupil and Roscommon has lost nearly 10% of allocations when you adjust for population which is amazing now you'd expect an error a margin of error of some point maybe 2% if, if that but i find that astonishing that there were counting. and there's a lot of them let me let, let me tell you a bit more so, Roscommon was the worst affected, just a discrepancy of my, of 9 and a bit percent, 9.3% of what they should have, uh, they're, they're down. Leach next, had a, a big population uh, increase, uh, probably the second biggest population increase in the country. They're down 4.6% of where they should be. Dublin, uh, down 2.5%. Monaghan, down 3.8%. Leitrim, down 2.6%. And and it goes on really. Westmead's down two point six percent before it gets to margins. of very you'd accept. So I'd say about two percent is an acceptable level. Uh, Longford's down one percent. Mead is barely you know marginal, and so on. But when you look at this, and you look at Offaly, and by the way, Offaly, which is, I don't know, it's a coincidence. Of course, it's a coincidence. But when it was coming to the STEM grants, you remember the STEM grants there that went went, went out by lottery there. Offaly had the highest number of grants per capita. I actually looked up the General, uh, the general Secretary, is it, of the uh, Department of Education to make sure she wasn't from Offaly. She isn't, by the way. But yeah, just because it seemed really bizarre that on the last two things, uh, in these studies, Offaly just seems to randomly do much better than everybody else. And then I was like, is 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 because the building section of the Department of Education in technically is in Tullamore and Offaly? Maybe there's somebody in there doing the work there because their kids go to the school. That's, mad conspiracy theory stuff and then I thought wait a second Roscommon is where uh, some of Athlone is and Westmeath certainly and Westmeath and Roscommon are in my uh, are in the top 10 of schools that were screwed over really or the counties that were screwed over so I don't think so yeah but I don't know it's a bit weird uh, I think all that and uh, so look it seems that Offaly are the real winners when you divide it by county and if you give, and just say, uh, I mentioned this margin of error of 2%, looking at that only 11 counties had an allocation that fell into that margin of error. So 15 counties are way off, either in a, in a good way for them or in a bad way for some as well. For most of them, actually, which, which is interesting as well. I think 10 out of the 11 of those uh, counties, 10 out of those 15 counties are under where they should be. But what conclusion can we make from looking at counties? I, I suppose the answer is you can't. You you can't really, th- th- because it's pointless. There's no pattern. You would expect that everybody would go down or everybody would go up. But county by county doesn't really tell any particular story. It's not, I mean, you could try and, I was joking about Offley and the conspiracy theory there. We could look at the ministers in the, that are in charge of particular counties. Are they doing better? And I don't think that it works that way. I actually think what happened simply was they had they started off with an algorithm based on some sort of logic, and then they just threw it out. Of the, threw, threw it out Because w- what we do know is many schools that lost enrolments didn't lose allo- uh, their set allocations, and we can so you can have a look at your own uh, schools around your area on the set uh, allocation spreadsheet. I have it by sc- every school here. If we just randomly go down somewhere here, so this is Saint Oliver's National School in Louth in 2000. I'm reading this uh, for the sake of listeners here. In 2007, they had 166 students. I've literally chosen this randomly, so I don't actually know what the figures are. And I don't even know the school, so I'm not picking on them. I, uh, so apologies. If you are involved in that school, it's, not, it's nothing personal. Uh, and it looks very average, actually, to be honest with you. 166 pupils, 65 allocation hours, 0.39 per pupil is where we went. If you go on then to 2019, they stayed exactly the same, but their allocation went up. By two and a half hours. I don't know why that would be. We, and I'm not going to hazard a guess as to why. And then, so that meant they had a bit of a discrepancy just being one school. Uh, they stayed at 166 the following year and remained where they were. So a boring school, really. They didn't really have much change. They gained an extra two and a, uh, two and a half hours, let's say, per week for, uh, and we don't really know why that was. They obviously applied for that and got it or something like that. Whereas, let's say, look at a school here, Cloyne, a boys national school in Cork, they started off with 287 students, 135 allocations, so about a fairly high allocation per pupil, higher uh, than uh, the previous school there. They went up by 31 students the following year, but remained on the same allocation. So their allocation went down to, let's say, more average levels, but the, even though they went up by 10%, the following year they went up again to 336 and this time they did uh the, and this time again they did not increase their allocation so they developed twice as a school more or less and didn't get extra allocations i wonder why that was they should have but uh but basically as a result of that over the years they have had a discrepancy. they're down 17 and a half 17 of the allocation they should have based on their original uh thing so there's just two examples of two schools uh, that I randomly picked from the the database, and so you can check that out yourself just to see where your school might land. But really, I think looking at counties is a bit pointless. Looking at individual schools in some ways is a bit pointless too because every school is slightly different. I, I know you, you know, people schools could ring up the NCSE and say, "Hey, you made a mistake here. What are you, What's going on? I have this child. Why well, have this? Uh, this child came from this school or whatever it might be, and they might have uh, thrown you a couple of extra hours." It was rare they took them away. Uh, but you can have a look to see how that worked. So really, the you know, the only way of getting any statistics really, okay, county wasn't great. But developing schools, if you group together all schools that were developing and then you compare them to schools that aren't developing, so schools that didn't go up in significantly in their, in their enrollments, you can get a good picture of how it worked. Now, this is never going to be 100% accurate because The algorithm for calculating who a developing school is can be tricky uh, to do. I I basically made a good stab at it. So it's not going to be far away without being really very accurate. And and I think anyone who works in a developing school would be shocked if developing schools weren't treated less favourably. However, it was how badly they were treated that actually blew my mind away. Now, suppose if you're watching this, here's the result. I'm going to read it out to you developing schools increased their enrollment nationally by 27.8%. That's a huge jump by any stretch of the imagination, but their allocation only increased by 7.6%. So if you have an enrollment change of 27.8%, you would expect the allocation change based on and using all of the schools as your sample because there's a lot of schools to be the same or roughly the same in and around between 25 and 30% but it's only down 7% So that, and that meant that the average pupil the average pupil was getting is getting 15.75% less hours than S people that, than children that go to a non-developing school but it gets worse than that because if you there, there's a, I was looking up and I'm not a statistician by any stretch of the imagination. This could be wrong uh, because it's so shocking that I, I am really questioning myself if I'm right or not. And I maybe even if I'm a little bit wrong, I, think, even if I'm, I don't think I'm madly wrong. But when you talk about a discrepancy then, so based on the enrollment change and then you take away the discre- where, with the resources they should have had, you should be able to get the discrepancy. But they're getting 15% less than they, than they were getting in 2017. That means that they are getting, in total, 43% less support than children in non-developing schools. 43%. Now, as I said, the figure is so shocking. People will probably say, that can't be right. And, and as I said, I'm not a statistician, so I may be wrong. However, whatever it is, def- it's definitely more than 15% which is shocking in the first place. In in some ways, it doesn't really matter what the figure is. It shouldn't be more than 15%. It shouldn't be more than 1%. It shouldn't be more than 2% anyway. It's shocking. Whereas if you're in a non-developing school, even though your enrollment change, so the enrollment change is overall in all the non-developing schools, the population went down by 3.38%. Your allocations, uh, thankfully, went down minimally by 0%, half a percent, almost, almost no, by, by nothing. So very little a change in that. So in other words, pu- pupils in non-developing schools are getting more support per pupil. And the discrepancy is about 6%. So they're getting 6% more than they should be getting. That doesn't sound like a lot, but there are a lot more non-developing schools than developing schools. And when you look at the discrepancy for developing schools, what you can really see there is from the start there, the Department of Education might be putting in total more hours to, to schools, but they're not putting, they're basically making up, plugging the, instead of basically using the hours for the new schools, they're basically making up for the fact that they don't want to take away hours from non developing schools politically. It would be a nightmare. Can you imagine that the drama, if you had a school with, let's say, they had, I don't know, 100, set hours, and then their population went down by, you know, 30 pupils or 50 pupils or whatever else, and then their set hours went down to 80. That's a teaching position gone. Do you know what I mean? What politician in the right mind is going to reduce those hours? Even if it's the right thing to do, you can, you you can, I can absolutely imagine why they wouldn't do it. So why in the hell did they put that algorithm in the first place is beyond me. I'm not really sure why that is. Um, I, so essentially that's like the big news. Developing schools were screwed over and it's very likely in the next allocations, they'll still be screwed over. I am told uh, by a reliable source uh, that uh, they, they, the Department of Education have acknowledged this and they said that they are going to be, um, what's the word, vigilant? Uh, vigilant might not be the word, they're, they're going to be anyway, they're going to look into it when they're doing the new hours, when they come around. I will, of course, be analysing those to see if they have, in fact, been listening or not. I also did a com- just because I'm obsessed with patronage. I also did a comparison by patron. It, it, it isn't very useful, and um, only for the fact, and I'm sharing the spreadsheet there for you there, only for the fact that it, it doesn't really give you much information. And here is the information, just if you are interested. Yeah, you can see here that multi denominational schools have gone up significantly by 30.38% since 2017 to 2021 as the Jewish and Muslim schools. Um, and uh, you can see Catholic schools have gone down, uh, so Church of Ireland schools and other Christian denominations, and these are interdenominational schools. Um, and then it talks about their allocation changes, which look good on the surface, but actually on the, in Catholic schools and Church of Ireland schools, they've remained where they possibly should. Uh, in a way, interdenominational schools uh, have done better than they possibly should. But look, that's the thing about this is you can overanalyze these things and say, oh, it's, a, it's against this, it's against that. To be honest, this is just really because uh, multi-denominational schools and uh, Muslim and Jewish schools have gone up in enrolments, uh, as you'd expect, because um, I think uh, a new Muslim school opened uh, between 2017 and 2021. I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure their enrollment increased significantly. I think there, or maybe there was an extension to one of the schools. And we know that in the last uh, number of years, multi-denominational schools mm-hmm. are the only shows in town in terms of new schools, quite rightly. So I guess there's that, that really is there for informational purposes. As I said, there's the developing schools. We've got oral schools there as well, which is maybe of use to you as well. So I don't know. That is uh, really all I have. The main takeaway for me is while there were slightly higher resources put into the system in general, developing schools lost out majorly as schools that lost enrollments maintained in the main, maintained most of, or at least all, or all of their allocations. Um So There's not really much to say, except we really need to make people aware of it. I've done my maths. Um, If you know anyone who might think the story is scandalous, uh, maybe tell them, particularly if they're a journalist or the media, because since publishing it, I really haven't heard anything. It's a bit of an anticlimax for me. I thought, oh my gosh, this is a massive story, which it is. Developing schools, we now have the facts for sure that they have been terribly, majorly screwed over when it comes to allocations and that's not the schools I'm not calling it it's the children in these schools children with additional needs who need the support of uh, of teachers with, uh, from the special education teacher team that are losing out uh, this isn't about developing schools just whinging there's a reason why we do our jobs and that is to help our children learn and if we're not being treated equally certainly in terms of resourcing that's problematic we and Developing schools are not just multi-denominational schools. There are Wales schools there are Catholic schools that are also developing. There are many Catholic schools expanding all the time. This is not really about ethos. In fact, it isn't at all. This is simply about providing the resources that children with additional needs require. Simple as that. If I were the Minister for Education, I would be halting whatever allocations I was about to put out there, if I was imminently. And I would be going back and I would be looking at that algorithm and I would be making sure that every single school is getting the correct allocations that they require for special education teaching. And I would make sure that in the first place, they are adequate enough. Because as I said, nearly nine out of 10 principals do not believe they have enough resources or close to the resources that they had back in the day. And it's something that even sometimes, as we thought, perception was real. Um, with developing schools were being screwed over. And I would not be surprised if the perception about us getting enough resources is also... In fact, I know it's, uh, it's real. If, when, we're, when I'm at principal meetings, it's almost the only thing we talk about is the lack of resources for children with additional needs. If I were the Minister for Education, I'd be going back to the drawing board and I would be recalculating the set allocation hours. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that run through of the set allocation resources. Pretty scandalous in my opinion that developing schools have effectively been overlooked and I suppose overcompensation given to schools at were essentially the Department of Education should really have just given the resources that were needed. We were right in the end. So listen, as I said, that's it for me for this uh, week. If you'd like to subscribe to uh, the newsletter where you'll find loads more information on the set allocations you can go to onshaw.net slash subscribe, or you can just go to onshot.net and have a look uh, at some more of the data that I've put online as well, including a facility to search for your own school and how well they did. Anyway, that's it for me. Thanks so much for listening and for watching. All the very best. Bye-bye.